0: chapter thirty six of black oxen by gertrude atherton this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by lynn thompson chapter thirty six he left her at ten o'clock and the next morning rose at seven and went to work at once on his play he chose the one that had the greatest emotional possibilities gora dwight had told him that he must learn to externalize his emotions and he felt that here was the supreme opportunity Never would he have more turgid, pent-up, tearing emotions to get rid of than now. He wrote until one o'clock, then, after lunch and two hours on his column, went out and took a long walk, but lighter of heart than since he had met Mary Zattiany. He also reflected with no little satisfaction that when writing on the play he had barely thought of her. All the fire in him had flown into his head and transported him to another plane he wondered if any woman save in brief moments could rival the ecstasy of mental creation that rotten spot in his brain dislocation of particles whatever it was that enabled a few men to do what the countless millions never dreamed of attempting or attempt only to fail was through its very abnormality productive of a higher and more sustained delight a more complete annihilation of prosaic life than any mere function bestowed on all men alike it might bring suffering disappointment mortification even despair in its train but the agitation of that uncharted tract in the brain compensated for any revenge that nature through her by-product human nature might visit on those who departed from her beloved formulae nevertheless and before his walk was finished and he had returned home to dress for dinner with her the play was on one plane and he on another visioning himself alone with her in the austrian agapemene and cursing the interminable weeks between he anathematized himself for consenting to the delay and vowed she'd had her own way for the last time he foresaw many not unagreeable tussles of will she was far too accustomed to having her own way well so was he for two weeks he left his rooms only to walk, or dine, or spend an hour with her in the afternoon, when she was alone. He rebelled less than he had expected. If he could not have her wholly, the less he saw of her, the better. Dinners, luncheons, theatre parties, receptions, were being given for her not only by her old friends, who seemed to her to grow more numerous daily, but by their daughters and by many others who made up for lack of tradition by that admirable sense of rightness which makes fashionable society in america such a waste of efficiency and force and whether the younger women privately hated her or had fallen victims to that famous charm was of little public consequence it was as if she had appeared in their midst waved a sceptre and announced i am the fashion always i have been the fashion that is my métier bow down at all events the fashion she became and it was quite as patent that she took it as a matter of course the radiant happiness that possessed her refusing as she did to look into the future with its menace to those high duties of her former dedication clear sharp ruthless children of her brain not only enhanced both her beauty and magnetism but enabled her to endure this social ordeal she had dreaded, without ennui. She was too happy to be bored. She even plunged into it with youthful relish. For the first time in her life she was at peace with herself. She was not at peace when Clavering made love to her, far from it, but she enjoyed with all the zest of a woman, with her first lover, and something of the timidity, this tantalising preliminary to fruition. How could she ever have believed that her mind was old? She turned her imagination from that lodge in the Dolomites, and believed it was because the present, with its happiness and its excitements, sufficed her. Moreover, she was having one novel experience that afforded her much diversion. The newspapers were full of her. It took exactly five days after Mrs. Oglethorpe's luncheon for the story she had told there to filter down to Park Row and although she would not consent to be interviewed there will be double-page stories in the sunday issues embellished with snapshots and a photograph of the mary ogden of the eighties a photographer who had had the honour to take her was still in existence and exhumed the plates doctors biologists endocrinologists were interviewed civil war threatened the medical fraternity upheld by a few doubting thomases among the more abstract followers of the science on one side of the field by far the greater number of those who peer into the human mechanism with mere scientific acumen on the other doctors notoriously as conservative as kings and as jealous as opera singers found themselves threatened with the loss of elderly patients whose steady degeneration was a source of respectable income when it was discovered that new york actually held a practising physician who had studied with the great endocrinologists of vienna the street in front of his house looked as if some ambitious hostess were holding a continual reception finally madame zattiany consented to give a brief statement to the press through her lawyers it was as impersonal as water but technical enough to satisfy the medical journal at the theatre and opera people waited in solid phalanxes to see her pass her utter immobility on these occasions but heightened the feverish interest women of thirty dreaming of becoming flappers overnight and formidable rivals with the subtlety of experience behind the mask of seventeen were desolated to learn that they must submit to the claws and teeth of time until they had reached the last mile-post of their maturity beauty doctors gnashed their teeth and plastic surgeons looked forward to the day when they must play upon some other form of human credulity as a subject for the press it rivalled strikes prohibition german reparations lenin prize fights censorship and scandalous divorces in high life why isn't your head turned clavering asked her one day when the sensation was about a month old and was beginning to expire journalistically for want of fresh fuel. Not a woman in New York could be induced to admit that she was taking the treatment. You are the most famous woman in America and the pioneer of a revolution that may have lasting and momentous consequences, on which we can only speculate vaguely today. I don't believe you are as unmoved as you look. It's not in woman's nature, in human nature. Publicity goes to the head and then descends to the marrow of the bones. "'I'm not unmoved. I've been tremendously interested and excited. "'I find that newspaper notoriety is the author of a distinctly new sensation.' "'And then she felt a disposition to play with fire. "'Clavering was in one of his rare detached moods, "'and had evidently come for an hour of agreeable companionship. "'I am beginning to get a little bored and tired. "'If it were not for this Vienna fund—' and to the newspapers for their assistance i am eternally grateful i believe i'd suggest that we leave for austria tomorrow. and i wouldn't go clavering stood on the hearthrug smiling down at her with humorous defiance you switched me on to that play and there i stick until it's finished no chance for it in a honeymoon and no chance for undiluted happiness with that crashing round inside my head she shrank and turned cold, but recovered herself sharply and dismissed the pang. It was her first experience, in her exhaustive knowledge of men, of the writing temperament, and, after all, it was part of the novelty of the man, who had obliterated every other from her mind. Nor had she any intention of letting him see that he could hurt her. She smiled sweetly, and asked, "'How is it coming on? Are you satisfied with it?' Yes, I am, and so is Gora Dwight. I've finished two acts, and I read them to her last night. Ah, your Egeria? Not a bit of it, but she's a wise, cold-blooded critic. You can't blame me for not even talking about it to you. I see so little of you that I've no intention of wasting any of the precious time. But you might let me read it. I'd rather wait until it's finished, and as polished and perfect as I can make it. "'I always want you to know me at my best. "'Oh, my dear! "'You forget that we are to be made one and remain twain. "'Do you really believe that we shall either of us always be at our best? "'Well, to tell you the truth, I don't care a hang whether we are or not. "'I'll have you, and all to myself, and I won't say for a while at least. "'Do you imagine that when we return to New York "'I'm going to let society take possession of you again?' Not only shall I work harder than I've ever worked before, but I'd see little more of you than I do now. And that I'll never submit to again. I'll write my next play inside this house, and you'll be here when I want you. Not gadding about. She felt a sudden pang of dismay, apprehension. New York? She realized that not for a moment had she given up her original purpose. But why disturb the serenity of the present? When she had him in the dolomites she answered him in the same light tone i'm having my last fling at new york society when we return we'll give our spare time to the sophisticates i see far less of them now than i like then with a the further desire to investigate the literary temperament even if she were stabbed again in the process she looked at him with provocative eyes and said I've sometimes wondered why you haven't insisted upon a secret marriage. I'm told it can be done with a reasonable prospect of, of success in certain states. Don't imagine I didn't think of it. But, well, I think the play would go fluey, you see. I see. And what about your next? The next will be a comedy. I'll never be able to write a tremendously emotional play again. And meanwhile you will not deny that the artist has submerged the lover? I admit nothing of the sort but you yourself let the artist loose and what in god's name should i be doing these cursed weeks if you hadn't you know you never would have consented to a secret marriage you've set your heart on the dolomites how about that interval of travel by the way liners and trains are not particularly conducive to illusions i thought i told you my plan is to be married there i should go on a preceding steamer and see that the lodge was in proper condition I want everything to be quite perfect and heaven only knows what has happened to it oh this is a new one you've sprung but yes I like the idea I'd rather dreaded the prelude and then he made one of those abrupt vaulting's out of one mood and into another which had fascinated her from the first god I wish we were there now when I'm not writing how many men have you got in love with you already but no i don't care when i'm here like this mary like this i don't care a hang if i never write another line End of chapter thirty six